Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of League Talk. In this episode, we have a special guest. His name is Smeagol, also known as Louis, as his real name. Uh, he has been in the esports coaching and League of Legends coaching scene for a while now. He's transitioned from the UK to Russia, the LCL. But thank you ever so much for coming onto the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Um, great to be here. Perfect. Um, why don't you yeah, tell us you tell us about yourself? So your past career, you know, whether it's growing up, you growing up in the UK, all that sort of stuff. So let let everyone know a little bit about yourself. Um, been in the UK all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, was born in Brighton in the UK, oh, nice. and uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of employment outside of esports, I actually used to be a chef. Wow. Um, I went to uh, Gordon Ramsay's cooking school down in Woking, um, mm-hmm. which is very southern town in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I kind of, um, I actually bombed out of the course, funny enough, it was an 18 month extensive course, and um, one year in, I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, Interesting. And that's when I decided to, I just thought, um, am I allowed to swear up? <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I just said like, fuck it one day, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go course. for esports, um, cause, because I've been playing games since I'm mm. like five years old with my dad, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I just... I couldn't think of anything better to do. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my friends were into it. A couple of my friends were playing like professionally, so I uh, I made the the risky leap, as it were. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I find I find that sort of pathway a really really interesting one. So obviously we'll get into how you how you actually got into esports a little bit later. But to go from to go from being a chef, which is a completely different career. It's not in sports. It's not in gaming. To jump over to esports and and to follow, I presume it's some sort of a dream, an aspiration of yours to be into esports is really interesting. Um, yeah, like I don't actually know really how I came about it. Mm. Um, it was the main thing where I was speaking to so many people because it was getting to the stage. I was two thirds of the way through my through my course, mm. um, and everyone was saying like you have no social life like it's really like 40 yeah. 50 hour weeks like it's really not fun and i'm sitting here thinking like this i don't know if this is for me like i can still cook i'm still passionate about food and that but mm. i just when i started to sort of weigh the two up because i was doing esports part-time while also right. um while also like studying uh cooking mm-hmm. um which so like my 40 50 hour weeks were kind of affecting that and i just i really just wasn't feeling it anymore um so in terms of the transition um it it was literally like i wasn't happy with the path i was taking i just felt i needed a change Mm. um and it was awkward for me because based on what i'd studied at school Mm. um i thought from a very young age that i wanted to go into chefing yeah so it came when it came to sort of maybe changing my occupation Mm -hmm. um i was very limited in my choices Mm. because literally all of the subjects that i had taken were literally only for cooking. Like yeah. I'd taken hospitality, for example. Mm-hmm. I'd taken home economics um, and this type of stuff in one sign. So I was in like a really rough situation. Mm-hmm. So it was either <clears throat> it was either going to chefing or change my field like drastically. Yeah, I think that's 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 a real big problem with the UK sort of educational system, isn't it? You sort of go yeah. from these like broad subjects and then you go to GCSE and it sort of narrows down a little bit more and then you go to A-level or B-tech and it narrows down even more and then you go to university and it's like one thing and if you get to the end of university and like I know a lot of people at the university that I'm studying at who have one guy who's done accounting and he's just gone into his placement year where you go and get a job for 
for 12 months basically and then go back to university and he's finished it he's sort of eight months into his job in accounting and he hates it and he's like he doesn't want to do it so he's stuffed he's like i just don't know what to do do i finish university do i go and start something else so i think that's it's shocking but at least at least you were doing something part-time because there's a lot of people that will go through their university life and go through study or education as you were with the the cooking course and, and not have anything to fall back on because they were never doing anything anyway. It was all in on whatever they were studying, like accounting or cookery or whatever. So oh, yeah. maybe maybe it's a good thing that the, the part-time esports sort of stuff was working for you. So when you say that the part-time stuff that you were doing, what, what was that? Was it coaching? Was it just playing? Um, I was actually, um, I was playing, I was, uh, I used to play CSGO and Hearthstone, um, okay. semi-professionally, used mm-hmm. to go to a few lands, that type of thing. I didn't have any big finishes or, sure. it was nothing like that, it was just playing with a couple of friends, um, and I had like, uh, me, me and my friend group, we just used to play like every game together, you know, like yeah. the, the, the bog standard, like League of Legends, CSGO, mm-hmm. like the, the, the mainstream games at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just went to a couple of lands like uh, Insomnia, Epic Land, and we just go together. And we had a couple of like top eight finishes, nothing amazing, but it was just something I enjoyed to do on the side. Um, and then you know you get back from a land event, and you're like, oh god, I've got to go back to the sort of 40, yeah. 50 hour week. And that was why I was just I'm lucky I had esports because honestly, if I um if I'd have dropped out of cookie and not had that on the side, mm. I don't even know what I'd be doing yeah, today to be honest, right. just because my lack of options. No, well, I, I think it's commendable. I think to to drop out in a state like that is something that's can be frowned upon. So I think it's commendable that you've uh, you've dropped out, followed what you wanted to do, and not sort of gone with the system and the right thing to do. The right thing being in uh, <laughs> commas and averted uh, speech yeah. marks there. But yeah. So um, how how did you start coaching then? So you you said you were you were playing semi professionally, but obviously yeah. playing semi professionally for Hearthstone and playing semi professionally for CS:GO is different to coaching League of Legends. So how did that yeah. that pathway sort of come to fruition? Um, me and my friends literally we got bored of Counter Strike, right. um, and like Hearthstone, I used to play it on the side. Cause it's one of those games you can like mm. play in queue in League, you for know. Sure. So yeah. I didn't stop playing Hearthstone to be honest. Like I kept playing it for years while mm. playing League simultaneously, mm-hmm. but um. Yeah, we got bored of uh, of CS, and I transitioned to, to League in, like, Season 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started playing that. And then a friend of mine was um, was in UK esports, um, playing for a small UK team. And I didn't realize the the League, like, esports team was, like, quite so big. And mm. then I ended up watching Worlds, and I was like, holy shit, like, <laughs> this, is, this is cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was, I think, season three was like the peak of LOL esports in mm. terms of like they got like huge stadiums for worlds and everything, and it looked awesome. Like, yeah. and the the personalities in it at the time, like Dyrus and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I, I would just uh, I wanted to get into esports somehow, and the easiest way from what I had seen was was managing players. Right. Um, so a friend of mine, um, me and him decided to make a team together. Who um, I don't know if you've. Worked. I don't know if you've worked with him or spoke to him, but his name's Grievance. Um, I haven't heard of it. And yeah. he, uh, he ended up going to to. Well, he's on Splice now. But after no. working with me, he went to to CLG um, in the NALCS. Oh wow! And then then he came back to EU, went to Mysterious mm-hmm. Monkeys in the EU LCS, mm-hmm. and then went to Splice. And he's still at Splice now, but he's had a couple of promotions, so he's now like the head of EU operations or something. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. He's he's really taken off. Yeah. More successful than me. Um, but, <laughs> Basically, yeah. We, um, 
I just literally managing looked like the, the I'm not saying it's easy, but based mm. off of like what I'd seen, it seemed like the, the easiest way to sort of get into sure. the scene. Sure. Um, so yeah, I just started managing players and at first it was just like a full D1 team. It was just very sort of like basic. We didn't really expect anything. If anything, it was just, it was just a group of friends. Mm. Um, and then me and Grant, we decided we sort of wanted to, we wanted to sort of up our game a bit. We wanted to get some, well, talent. Um, yep. And I just said to Grant, like, looking at the challenger ladder, you know, there's hundreds of players. Obviously, all of these players can't be on teams. Some of them maybe want to get their foot out there. Let's speak to some of these challenger players. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up building a really good team. We had um, uh, we had Broxa, who's now on Fnatic, wow. obviously. Yeah. Um, we had Toaster, who had just yeah. He just left the EU LCS. Um, leaving Origin. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had um, a little guy called uh, called Zoran from the Czech Republic who went on to play for uh, um, back when in there like Glory Day. Um, mm-hmm. Who else did we have? Rifty, been a stable UK <laughs> yeah, yeah, sports yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. He bounces between teams and normally has decent finishes. I think yeah. he's actually won the league twice. Um, and then there was New Troop was the fifth. I think he actually retired after that. Mm-hmm. after that season because he transitioned from jungle to support so i think he just wanted to do it maybe for a bit of money just sure. crash out at the end of the yeah at the end of his career because i think he transitioned to poker oh, okay but, uh, yeah yeah that, that, i don't know what that guy he's done coaching he played league he plays poker now like wow. played overwatch for a bit as well coached overwatch like i okay. don't know that guy just seems to do everything <laughs> So what, what was that like? So you, yes. you set up your own team. How, how did that? How does that work? Is it you set it up as a business? Is it just you get some players together and start entering into lands and tournaments? Um, we wanted to go through the the ESL UK Premiership, which yeah. unfortunately is no longer a thing anymore. It's been replaced by a Forger Champion. Mm-hmm. But the the ESL UK Premiership used to have uh, an open qualifier, uh, so we went in through that mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, we actually we qualified with this full D1 team that I was talking about before oh, wow. and then uh, me and Grant decided we just wanted to we wanted to step it up because if we were going to do this me and him sort of were thinking of it as a hobby but we wanted to maybe it be more and actually sure. achieve something as our first split you know get our names out there mm-hmm. and that's when we built this sort of super team um, and yeah after building that like um, went through open qualifiers Got the team together, and then I think we yeah we finished second place. So it was it was a pretty good pretty good finish for our first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after finishing with us, really happy. Like like I said, the players all went off and did their own thing. Yeah. Toaster went to Toaster went to French Sheen and did really well. He's on go now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brox obviously he went to Fnatic Academy after playing with us. We were literally like Fnatic was like his next team, so yeah. that was good. It was good to see Amazing. we gave him like a small stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoran went to Gambit, so like all of these players that we that we worked with, they all went off and did their own thing, and mm. are now all relatively successful. No, that's so, amazing. It, yeah, it's good to it's glad to see that we had a like a small impact on their career. Mm. That seems like a, got a big impact, really. Well, yeah, for some of them, but obviously, like, like Rifty and Nutri, for example, Nutri. I think he's actually trying to get back into league now, but obviously, right. so he's not really. He's sort of mm-hmm. where he was like two years ago, and yeah. Rifty's just bouncing between teams, still winning the split, and still having like top four finishes. Yeah. So he's sort of in the same place, but he's still growing as a player. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's amazing. Because you know, one of the things that I noticed when I was doing a little bit of research was that you're really young. You're a similar age to me. I think is it twenty one? Is that right? Twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's, I find that amazing that you've got to where you are at 21. But how, how have you found being in esports, uh, like the business of esports at this age? Because, you know, the world that I work in and study and all that sort of stuff, um, I'm currently working as a business developer for a coaching mm-hmm. company. And generally speaking, in this sort of businessy world, the younger you are, the less respect you get, and unless you're like an entrepreneur, which is you know a, a interesting. Few and far between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, you get you get that in business. I, I don't know what it's like generally in esports because obviously that is a significantly younger sort of realm. Uh, the average yeah. age of esports is significantly younger than any normal business um, mm-hmm. sort of world. But how have you found how have you found being so young in such a business like like you are now? Um, I think esports is slightly more forgiving because, like you said, like a lot of the people involved in esports mm. are relatively like younger. Like mm. than the average age for a player is like between I think it's like seventeen or, and like twenty or something. So yeah. like majority of the players are younger than me or my age. Mm-hmm. So it, so it is a lot easier to sort of get their like quote unquote respect. Mm. Um, but it, it is hard, like um, especially when you're going into a team with like you know some big names. And they're mm. like, this guy's my coach, and he's three years younger than me, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, earning earning players respected, it's something that should always be done. Um, mm. And I try and do it as one of the first things I do when I get on a team. Um, like, and I think if you spoke to any of the the players that I'd worked with, I'm still close with like ninety percent of them now because once I've got a player's respect, I'll go out of my way to befriend them. Yeah. Um, because I believe in esports. To actually get somewhere, mm. um, it's all about who you know, yeah. Um, and that's that's probably one of the downsides to esports as well. It's mm. you're you could have the most decorated resume, yeah, and you you could still not get on a good team simply because this you know you're this player's best mate and they they're looking for a coach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of getting respect, I mean, it can be difficult um, if the player is significantly older and has more experience than me. But mm. I've never had a I've never had any issues to the point where I've where I've actually struggled to to connect with a player. No, I think I think that probably shines on your personality as well, and the and the way that you you sort of hold yourself. I should imagine. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think probably because it's so new. Because as an industry, esports is so new, and therefore the way to get through and get you know into places that you want to be is through people you know. And I get I guess that does make sense. I hope that that's something that sort of dies away a little bit as uh, as yeah. the industry gets bigger but I guess, I guess we'll see how that goes but um yeah I'm do you know I'm one of the things that I'm really interested in with you is your sort of transition processes so mm-hmm. you're now working in the LCL and you did I believe last split as well um yeah yeah I've done I've done uh, two splits in LCL so far yeah so talk do you mind talking a little bit about that and what LCL's like and yeah um, it's, yeah um transitioning there was um uh, who did I work? I worked at Wyndham Rain before yeah. going to uh, to LCL. Mm-hmm. Um, it was I'd, I was in a very difficult position because because I'd uh, quit my job in in Sheffing or mm. left my course as it were, um, mm. and I'd actually I'd moved out of my of my parent uh, my parents' place. So I was having to do a cooking job to to be able to sustain myself, yeah. even though that I <laughs> sort of left left cooking as an industry as it was like the easiest job for me to actually. be of course you know get um i was still working a cooking job um while that wind and rain and then uh i literally just said to the to the general manager like is there any way you can salary me so i can actually leave this i can leave this cooking job Mm. because you know i'm not happy doing it there's a reason i've left cooking like i left it eight months ago or whatever like 
I don't really want to still be doing it. I've left it for a reason. I want to pursue esports, so you know, let me do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Wyndham Rain sort of have this reputation for being a bit stingy with money. Right. Um, and they basically said they wouldn't be able to give me a give me a salary, um, which was unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Like War were really good to me. They gave me a lot of stepping stones and connections, but I, I had to start looking for other teams. Yeah, um, and that's when LCL spoke to me. Um, I spoke to Team Just, their, their team, team owner, Brykov, mm -hmm. um, and I literally offered to work for for a couple of months because I thought being able to work in a in a bigger league, yeah. especially one which is so heavily riot endorsed, like you know, it's got decent viewership between like ten and fifteen k. Wow. I thought being able to work there for free for for a couple of months, mm -hmm. like I'm I'm quite fortunate because my my family are relatively wealthy and I have a big chunk of savings, so like being able to sort of support myself for a couple of months without actually working yeah. like I'm very lucky to be able to do so mm -hmm. so I just decided like uh, I literally said I'll work in-house for free for a couple of months if you guys can give me the experience I need mm -hmm. um, and then that's when it all sort of went a bit tits up I oh, arrived really? in-house um, and the coach at the time um, was incompetent wow okay and um, not not by my words. This mm -hmm. was what the players were saying to me. Right. Um, and obviously, for me, it was very awkward because before moving into this house, um, I'd only done solo queue coaching. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, it was a big step up for me. Not only was I, te like, coaching a full team, I was also doing it in-house with, like, some of the biggest names in the league. Um, I see. Yeah. Um, and after arriving, I just sort of the players were looking at me and they're like this guy he's just clueless like he's just wow. very basic knowledge you know and I was like it's really awkward for me because if anything I'm I'm like an intern you know I'm like a volunteer mm. so I, I'm mm. in this really awkward position where I don't really know do, do I speak to the owner you know do I just sort of maybe try and help the coach more and try and sort of boost his knowledge yeah, a bit yeah. maybe even try and take the take the reins myself just so mm. the players feel a bit more comfortable mm-hmm and uh, it went on and on, and then we had a really rough week in the league, and we went, yeah, we went one-two when we should have literally went three-zero. Right. Um, and some of the players just felt so shit after that. Yeah. Um, and the manager was like really frustrated, and the owner was messaging me, and he said like, "What's going on?" Like, and it, because I don't know what was up with this coach, but he was just so. He was so sort of set in his ways that he thought he was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like he'd went out of his way to to befriend players before even really sort of setting any ground rules. So like, yeah. and I could see this from <clears throat> from first walking into the house. Like, this this coach was like friends with everybody, mm. which which I thought was good at first. But then I was like, he's not really a coach. He's yeah. he's just like their mate that's maybe drafting every now and again, but he's not really doing anything. I see. Um. So yeah, we had this really rough weekend. Um, all the players we got together with the coach and the the owner was asking what we wanted to do and then the decision came about where um, we just scraped playoffs um, because we had that really rough week mm -hmm. and the players didn't want to go into playoffs with this coach um, so they decided to to move him to the the academy team right and uh, I ended up getting the promotion to to head coach wow. obviously this is huge for me yeah but of course. I was completely like almost out like, like out of my depth because yeah. again I'd only done solo queue coaching I'd never been in house before I'd never you know I'd never been on stage mm -hmm. um, must be nice to be trusted time. in that way though oh yeah of course but 
if I'm being honest, I don't really think they were more trusting me. I think it was more they didn't really have another option. I see. Um, yeah, yeah. Because the only other option is to stay with this coach where the players feel really rubbish, uneasy. Yeah. You know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I ended up getting this promotion, and then obviously my first time being on stage. You know, I was feeling the I was feeling the nerves because this was the you know my first time on stage being a best of five. Like it's for playoffs. Like it's. It, it's big like yeah, yeah, it's it's not just like going on stage normally and it's just the best of one and it's over in like 10 minutes this is like a full day's work this is best mm-hmm. of five this is you know this big is if you, if you lose today the players aren't going to riff rivals like yeah. everyone's going to be really pissed off so mm-hmm. um but no pulled out the bag we came Amazing. We, we got the third place we got riff rivals and all was good brilliant um yeah um really surprised myself the players they all came to me after and they spoke to me like they said that they were really happy that I was able to trust them and mm. I was just you know p- picking champions which they were it was more comfort more than meta but I felt like because because the way they were feeling with this previous coach I wanted them, them to be more comfortable than rather just putting them on mm-hmm. like OP picks yeah yeah it just seemed to work we uh we won 3-2 um Amazing. was a shaky start but pulled it out so mm-hmm. that's it no, amazing. There's a couple of things that I thought were really interesting, though, that I wouldn't mind touching on that you, that you said. So one of the things I, I, I recently had an audit as a as my as a coach, and you know the coaching I do is performance stuff for tennis mainly, um, but also participation. You know the grassroots, getting people involved in sport. And one of the things that uh, came up in my audit was that it's really important to set precedents. So making sure that when you go into a lesson, whether it's at the start of a school term, whether it's the start of a you know, term of, of lessons or a group mm-hmm. of lessons. It's really important to make sure that the students or the players are are aware of what you expect from them and then you can yeah. give them what, what you expect from yourself to give to them, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. So something that clearly the, the last coach in, in Team Just didn't do by the sounds of things. Um, is that something that you focused on when you came in? Is this like when when you came into that team, did you sort of explain to them what you expected from them, what you wanted from them, what you're going to do? How was that as in terms of setting precedence? Did you do it? Did you not? Um, I did do it, but it was quite a slow process because mm. I knew the players were in like a really shit spot mentally. Sure. I wanted to sort of just try and like get to know the players more, see sort of see what they play, see how they yeah. play. So I wanted to actually sort of connect with them before setting that like precedence, as you say, mm-hmm. because... I think after you after you sort of replace their coach who's who's been coaching them for about two months, obviously there's there's going to be changes. Yeah. Um, and I'd rather them they they get comfortable with me first before I sort of start of setting the ground rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after after a week, um, uh, I set goals for all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed really happy with those goals and like me helping them to achieve them. Uh, everyone was super motivated. They seemed happy with me. So yeah, like once I once I set the ground rules and goals for each player, it it really took off. Yeah, that and that was actually the other thing that I, I wanted to touch on from from what you said was motivation, because um, yeah. obviously this is something huge in any form of coaching, whether it's you know life coaching, whether it's traditional sports, esports, whatever it is. Motivation is one of the things that if you can't manage to generate that in players, then you can get to a huge stalemate. And two of the things that you said was trust and goal setting. And goal setting is one of the biggest ones in traditional sport. I don't know what what you were like in traditional sports, if you played a lot, if you coached or anything like that, I'm not sure. Um, But that's always something that, especially in smaller classes and in in situations like league where it's five, six, seven, eight players, maybe you've got a 10-man roster, goal setting is obviously really key. 
but the one thing that you touched on was trust and I think that's something that is massively overlooked but those two as a motivational technique whether you meant to do it whether it was something that came naturally and it, it just happened are those the two things that you really focused on to get people get your team feeling better getting them motivated or was there yeah, some other like, things I think tr- trust trust was like the main one yeah. to be honest even, even before goals because I knew how the players were feeling so I wanted them to be able to trust me because going on stage with someone who like you know the players knew that I was in over my head as it were so like I want them to trust me because I don't want them being on stage sort of thinking you know right we've got got, like a rookie coach Mm -hmm. you know this is a big best of five don't want him choking like I wanted them to be comfortable with me before I even tried setting any goals you know yeah no I think that was a good point Um, so yeah, tr- trust was like it, it was that was like the key goal, mm-hmm. um, and and they ended up trusting me quicker than expected, which le- which allowed me to even start making goals for them. Sure, sure. Yeah. It set that path off. The trust is the is step one in in yeah. some way. No, that's really interesting. Um, but the the LCL as a whole is uh, not a, a huge region. It obviously gets its place in um, in international events and and things like that. But um, there's a couple of things about the region that. I wanted to touch on so the first one was obviously transitioning from the UK to the LCL was probably quite a big transition for yourself um, especially going in-house and learning all the things and doing all the things that you hadn't done before Um, do you think that sort of experience helps you aid players if they moved over to the region in the future Um, knowing you know because one of the big things is culture isn't it I I presume that the culture from the UK to Russia is completely different oh yeah it's very different so yeah Um, touch on that how do you feel about being being able to move players over and aid them in the culture change in in, uh, moving over in terms of you know food whether it's housing all these sorts of different things yeah Um, overall like it feels great Mm. Um, because I mean Russia as a country if I'm honest is actually kind of nice like um, it's cheap the food's decent Mm -hmm. um like, I mean, the main downside, obviously, is that not many people speak English. Yeah. So, um, in terms of sort of having to reach out, like, even going to, like, a restaurant, you know, you need to ask someone to order for you or whatever. But mm. these are, like, small details, you know, because yeah. you're working five, six, you know, five, six, seven days a week. Mm. You never really leave the gaming house anyway, mm-hmm. um, other than to maybe go to the shop or whatever. Sure. So, like, you never really need to go out and experience that culture as much mm-hmm. but you get it in small like snip um, and overall my my experience in russia has been good like the most recent split i had my own apartment with uh, two of the other players mm-hmm. um overall the the condition like of the housing was pretty good like we all had our own rooms so overall my experience of russia has been pretty positive yeah. um in terms of getting to russia it's a pain in the ass like yeah. trying to get like a, a visa and everything it's yeah. like a really like three four week really drawn out uh, process mm-hmm. um but once you get here it's great and uh, yeah. being able to advise players like after um, after i announced that we were doing tryouts mm-hmm. um for the upcoming season i had so many players reaching out to me you know wanting to know what russia was like and if i could sort of give them any tips and you know just in general what it's like to actually relocate there mm-hmm. um and i'm happy that i'm able to actually give them like a, a positive outlook yeah um no, brilliant. but yeah like in terms of um everyone was polite food was good Perfect. living conditions are good no, amazing. um so uh, compared to some other regions i hear we're actually pretty good on that front yeah. so no, overall yeah it's uh it is good to be able to to give a positive outlook uh yeah to, to players because i i think the lcl is a, an interesting one as a region as a whole in sort of the league of scene isn't it because you know it seems that one or two teams make it to international events regularly which i can imagine that's quite like a difficult 
place to be in because it's Gambit, 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 or yeah, um, yeah. you've got no idea. <laughs> yeah, and you know it it was sort of a little bit like that in the UK scene. It's sort of a little bit like that in EULCS where it's Fnatic, 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 or G two G. Yeah, um, and obviously that's going to be something that is you know somewhat regular and somewhat consistent across regions. Um, yeah. So the first bit is sort of what's that like? That's re- that must be a difficult place to be in mentally. But also, I wanted to touch on the fact of how the Turkish league is going. But let, let's talk about the um, gambit, gambit, gambit sort of precedent that you have now, and, and dealing with that, and what, what's that like, and motivation for that, and fighting against um, that. I think I think it's actually really good because now whenever I speak to to people that. For example, in terms of LCL teams, mm. when I became a free agent, six out of the eight approached me. Wow. Congratulations. Um, which, which felt pretty good. Yeah. But the, the thing they all say is that they want to take down Gambit mm. um, because, you know, they get sick of the same players always being on top. And the, the worst thing is, um, at least from what I've heard, I, I could be wrong here, but Gambit don't actually offer a lot in terms of, in terms of like, salary and... Right and everything else it's more just it's like a respect thing yeah. like the players stay together because you know if it works why stop mm-hmm. um and t- to be honest like in spring they were like a monster like mm. to be reckoned with like they were playing really well like we went we, we were lucky to take a game off of them in semi-finals um but in summer split they fell apart like they barely even made playoffs Oh, really? um, obviously they went ahead and won the league which mm. was great but they were like they were equal on score with us they mm-hmm. were 9-5 I think yeah um, so like they had a really rough split um, and I could you know you could see it in the players faces um, I won't name names or anything but mm. some of them came off stage and they were like throwing stuff around and oh, wow. you know some of them looked really upset coming off stage because they know themselves that they can do better mm-hmm so you like like for Gambit, it was like a really rough split, um, and they even said in uh, in an interview while they were over at Worlds that my team actually it it was one of the hardest best of fives of their career because wow. we took them to five games <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and in game four I don't know if you watched the series but we should have actually won that series we made one oh, small mistake damn. which ended up making us lose the game mm-hmm. and obviously that small mistake is what stopped us going to Worlds wow. so like we were in this. You know, we felt terrible, and like I mean, I think Gambit felt worse because mm. even though that they'd beaten us, they knew that they should have lost. Yeah. So like, it it was like it was hell for Gambit. So um. pe- people even said to me like, you know, it was the closest gamble that Gambit had came mm. to to you know they didn't they maybe didn't even make finals if they lose to us. Wow. So it was it was a huge like it was a huge thing to see yeah, like Gambit weren't actually way. unstoppable. You know, they're just yeah. a team. They are. They are. Uh, they they bleed as it were. You know, yeah, they, like they can lose. Wow. Um, no, that's that's amazing. So, yeah. Well, congratulations for for all of the, you know, the six of the eight teams and getting to where you've gotten. Because uh, I think that's, that's really impressive, especially with what we were talking about as in is in Gambit being number one always. So being yeah. able to break them is something that I presume holds a lot of respect in in that region. So congratulations. Yeah. To well, yourself. I mean, beating Gambit like the the worst thing is because there's a because Gambit and M19 are like the main mm. they're like the big orgs in Russia which I mean are in LCL there are bigger you know like Virtus Pro and Navi mm-hmm. used to be in the league um, so they had a really big following as well but um, with Gambit and M19 being the big two in the league it can sort of it can be like disheartening to players because they do like a 
they do like a fan vote, you know, and like who's going to win, like hashtag Gambit win, hashtag whoever win. Mm. And it's always, always like so heavily yeah. in favor of one of those two teams mm. that like, you know, it, it, it's like, I think one of our games, it was like 80% for, for, M, for M19 ah. to win. And then we stomped them in 20 minutes. Wow. And, the, and then it's like we had another game against them and we stomped them again in 20 minutes and it's still like 80-20 and it's yeah, like yeah. really annoying for like for like teams to be putting in like all of this hard work and the fans don't it, like they don't acknowledge it yeah, whatsoever yeah disheartening I can imagine mm. yeah it is like team like you know staff and players are like giving it their all and you mm. can see that their work's actually paying off because you're beating like the top two teams and then again you're not you're getting zero recognition because the fans are just devoted to to gambit to the yeah. red star and m19 so it's just you know it, it sucks on that aspect and that's yeah. that's the real reason i just wanted to knock them out because <laughs> it, it's almost wrong. like you know let me get to an international event yeah. and you know knock them off the top for yeah. once no i think i think that's uh that's commendable as well it's a good it's a good goal to set but in, yeah. in terms of region so uh there's been a lot of talk around the turkish region recently um mm. mainly because names like wolf from SKT, Gilius, from yeah. Vitality, well he was a free agent, but from Vitality, um, have sort of made their way over there, and I think, well I know for a fact that Gilius has said that he's sort of treating it as a, a lily pad, a landing pad to go, yeah. to sort of propel him to somewhere else. Um, mm -hmm. e even if that is the case, I still think it's a positive thing for the Turkish region. Um, I don't imagine Wolf is using it as a landing pad to go somewhere else, to go from yeah. SKT to Turkey, oh, yeah. I presume. It's not I quite think it's, like I that. think it's for money. Yeah, I should imagine opinion. so. Because um, the Turkish people, they just offer like crazy money. Right, okay, so that's that's an interesting insight. So how do you how do you feel a, about that as a region and, you know, those the people using it in the way that they are? And do you think it's a positive thing? Do you think it's something that the LCL could hopefully get to or is it something you want to stay well away from? Um, well, I mean, them in, them in, um, putting in that much money, it's now understandable because I, I don't know if you know, like, TCL franchisings came in, obviously. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there, you know, there's no fear of relegation. Yeah. Now. Teams can just throw as much money as they, at it as they want. Mm -hmm. Like, they know they're going to be in, for, I think it's three years. Mm. Um, so, like, this is their opportunity to now get the results without, you know, they can take risks, they can bring in players which might, you know, they might turn out to be, like, the next reckless or they could just completely yeah. bomb out and it doesn't matter because you know it, it's it's spring split it, it's mm -hmm. a throwaway um and i know like um i can't really give any specific dates or anything but i know lcl's going into franchising as well mm -hmm. so obviously once that happens the orgs that get selected are also going to be in a similar position where they can throw more money you know risks can be taken and yeah you know that, that the overall uh, the overall level and like like competitive prowess of the region is going to rise mm -hmm. um like like tcl is doing um, we, I don't. To be honest, I don't know how some of the teams have done it. If I'm being honest, yeah. like I don't know if you know all the players that have went over. Um, I know a chunk, but obviously but probably not all. Of like, them, yeah. well, well, I mean the big names. Yeah. Like Trick, for example, is there yeah. now on Galacticos mm -hmm. from G2 mm -hmm. um, NLCK. Like Wolf's there. Um, Pilot's back. Yeah. Um, from like PSG, and I think he was playing for MVP yeah, before MVP, that. Yeah, MVP. You're right. Um, GBM, I mean, he's been there for a while yeah. now, so like that's you know he was on Supermassive all of last mm -hmm. year, so that's that's irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but I think like even like Kire's come over again. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he's not from LCS, but he's he was one of the best junglers outside of LCS or LEC, yep. whatever you want to call it now. Yeah. Gilius, <laughs> mm -hmm. like the overall region is, you know, it is growing a lot, and from seeing some of these rosters, like it's going to be a really competitive split. But I can understand why. 
um, why there is so much talk around the region. Um, and the thing is, because Turkey is the only region you can really go to yeah. if you want to earn like a similar amount of money mm. to LEC. And that, that's why I can see where players like, um, or, or LEC Academy, of course, yeah. but if you're wanting to play in like a, a uh, in a region which can still give you like MSI Worlds and etc like TCL is like the one to go to yeah um so in terms of players like uh, like Gilius like Ruin you know Pilot Wolf mm-hmm. all these big names like this is the this is the uh, the region to go to yeah no interesting yeah. and, and in terms of is that something you would obviously you said that uh, Russia the LCL will be going to franchising at some point um, yeah. Do you think that as a whole for the TCL is a, a positive thing? Or... I mean, yeah, I mean, like, TCL already have really good viewership. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, and now that, you know, the, these teams are getting, like, the big investment, you know, teams are able to throw the money around without really any risk. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's good. Like, I think any region which which gets franchising like this is a positive yeah. because... I mean, it's it's better for players as well because there's there's like financial security, you know, like if they yeah, of course. if they sign a because most most franchise teams are doing like two three year deals, right? So mm-hmm. like you can't get relegated. That's like a guaranteed two to three year, like yeah, you know, you know, that's a guaranteed salary you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I think there aren't really any negatives to it. Um, it's it's gonna be like a second LCS like and this is no flame to the the Turkish players obviously some of them are like some of them are gonna be hard like outmatched yeah I think that's like the nicest way to say it mm-hmm. like I, I I wouldn't see I'm trying to think of maybe like an example um there's like a Turkish support called uh, corpse yep like I can't see corpse going up against wolf and having like a good time yeah you know? of course like there's going to be certain roles in this uh or like trick and stomach you know yeah. like there's gonna be matchups in this which are gonna be like really not fun sure. and i think like in lcs obviously like koreans have come over in the past and it's been okay because yeah. like these are some of the best players in <laughs> europe so they can go like toe-to-toe but yeah. i think in tcl it's gonna be very different because mm-hmm. the overall the overall level of some of the tcl players is not that of like lcs yeah. so i think like there's gonna be like a big skill differential to the point mm. where some some lck or some big names like Gilius are going to literally like 1v9 some games sure. which might not be too fun yeah I think it's interesting though because uh, as far as I'm aware there doesn't seem to be like one incredible super team there's not like on one team it's got certainly like Gilius you know Ruin it's not like every single player yeah. in every single role is the best in the region there doesn't seem to be a super team so whilst oh, no, no, Wolf, might, Wolf might be killing it in the support role he might be coming up against Gilius and then it's like what happens in that scenario where one person's yeah. 1v9ing but another person's 1v9ing so I think that's yeah, going to oh, no, be an interesting like, I think watch. that's going to be great like yeah. there are some there are, like I look forward to seeing um oh what is it uh I'm looking forward to seeing uh Fenerbahce play against yeah. Supermassive yeah. like I think Ruin against like Fab Fabulous mm-hmm. Kirei and, and Storm Age mm-hmm. like Balulu and Frozen mm-hmm. Japan like I think that's going to be a really good one yeah no, I think it's because like both both well, teams right? have some of the weaker players, but they also have some of the star players, yeah. like Ruin, like Frozen, like Wolf type of thing. Yeah, of course. No, I think that's really interesting. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your your current scenario. So you're currently working with Dragon Army. So congratulations on on that announcement that's come Cheers. out recently. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the the process of signing a new team. Obviously, you said you reached out and you did tryouts and things like that, but. You know, is there certain things you're looking for? I spoke to a guy called John Ellis, who's working for Excel as the performance yeah. coach. 
Um, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. We, oh, we actually, do you remember the uh, team I was talking about with yeah. uh, Grant? Uh-huh. John used to be the coach of that. Amazing. So he was telling yeah. me, uh, God, that happened, that's happened a couple of times actually, where I've spoken to one person, I've mentioned the name, they go, oh yeah, I know him really well So <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, one thing that he said is, now obviously XL have a lot more funding probably than the teams that you're in, especially in their current scenario with the, the LEC. But they he spoke of... Uh, sort of a statistic, statistical program where you plugged in statistics that came originally from a rugby team um, and depending on how much you weighted certain things such as wards per minute or damage per minute, whatever, um, mm-hmm. players got ranked. Um, so obviously that's quite a advanced way of uh, signing yeah. and looking at players. But for you, what was the process of signing a new team like? Was it you know looking at their in-game? Was it looking at their OP.GGs? What was the, the scenario for yourself? Um, well, I was in a bit of an awkward position, if I'm honest, because mm. um, I'd committed to staying with two players for one more split. Right. So um, we were actually just bouncing between orgs for a while because um, I'm I'm currently staying with uh, Atom Bomber and Kinzu, who I've been with for the past mm. year. Okay. Um, and we, we decided to stay together just because we work really well together. Like overall, we feel like we can win LCL if we get those key players in the key role. Yeah. Um, so because I've done that. It took a while for us to find an organization. Um, of course. Because, you know, some orgs have already picked up other players, so you and need to right. fit, like, a top and AD and yeah. a coach into that, and it's obviously sometimes going to be difficult because they might already have other players in mind. Mm-hmm. But um, once we found an organization, um, we had, like, four out of the five players already signed, so the only role we were really doing tryouts for... Okay. Sorry, three out of the five. Mm-hmm. The only roles we were really doing tryouts for was jungle and support. Mm-hmm. Um and we were in this sort of awkward scenario where the the talent pool in Russia is similar to Turkey, like it's very limited. Right. So um, you either take import jungle, uh, Russian support, or um, import support, Russian jungler. Sure. Um, and because you are limited to taking a Russian player, you're in this sort of situation where you can only take certain combinations of players. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the main issue in terms of tryouts. Um, but about in terms of how I do it, um, what John said about the like the stats and the, the goal permit, we do something similar, mm-hmm. but um, there's a couple of other things we needed to take into account because the the team we had we we didn't have a shot caller, so like if a player is a shot caller, even though they might only be maybe fifth on our rankings, then yeah. being like a shot caller for three or four years would put them to like the top. Of course, yeah. Because that's like that's like a key thing which we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It's literally like we just we we look at someone's experience. We look at sort of what roles they fill in terms of maybe they're a shot caller, maybe they don't really talk as much, but they're just mechanically really good. And mm-hmm. if everyone else is talking, that kind of makes up for that, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, we just did a couple of weeks of tryouts and we just found what was the best fit for us. I suppose a little bit easier as well, seeing as you had the other players, you sort of had an idea personality-wise what you were looking for. Maybe you knew yeah. that, I don't know, maybe you needed something like an aggressive jungler because your mid laner yeah. likes to push up or something. I don't know. Something like that. I suppose it was a little bit easier than sort of starting from scratch and having no idea where to go. Oh, I mean, it's it, it was much easier because some of the names that we because we were sticking together some of the names that we had were already some of the best in the region I see. so that gives us a pull with some players mm. um, because they want to work with me or they want to work with those yeah, players yeah. so that, that definitely puts me in sort of like a favourable position when it comes to looking at players yeah okay good news so um, obviously uh, well I believe that your team hasn't been fully announced yet so I don't want to put any pressure on you for that um, that's okay <laughs> but 
you know, looking at the team that you do have, maybe you don't know one role or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you're going to be working heavily on in the upcoming sort of split, upcoming year? Is there something that, you know, maybe one of the big things for you is team cohesion? Or maybe it's in the game and you need to focus on a certain play style, like a 1-3-1 or a 1-4, team fighting, who knows? So so what is there something you're going to be working on heavily? Or is there just lots um, of little things, for example? I, th- I think the main thing we're going to be working on is solely just communication. Yeah. Because, like... It's actually really easy to win a game simply from macro alone. Mm-hmm. Like you could be two, three K gold down, but if you're out rotating the enemy yeah. team, like that, that gold lead's gonna disappear really quick. Mm-hmm. So um, the main thing that I always focus on is like is communication, and we do like a something I try and tell players is like we have like a feedback loop, right? Where mm-hmm. let's say a player wants to do something, say uh, uh I don't know, like uh, the jungler might say, I want to invade blue buff, right? Mm-hmm. and let's say that you're on blue side so the lane which is going to be most like affected is going to be bot lane right. so basically like if he says I want to invade blue he needs to ask bot can <laughs> you get prio mm-hmm. so that I can safely go for this blue buff bot lane say okay and then they go for it you know sure. so it's like a feedback loop like he says what he needs he confirms it with his teammates and then they go for it Right. so like yeah communication is like a really big thing mm-hmm. um, because I think if your team's not on the same on the same page, mm-hmm. like you can just run around like headless monkeys and yeah, you're, like you're gonna make so many small mistakes and it all builds up. Mm-hmm. No, brilliant. And uh, I think I think in no matter what you do, communication's key. Communi- well, I did a podcast a while ago where it was just talking about communication and how like unbelievably important communication is for for all like facets of life, whether it's your relationships with your family or your girlfriend or your boyfriend yeah. or whatever it is. So. I think you know working on the players is like a, a personal development thing. I think working on communications a really good, a really good place to start as well. Um, but you did say that you're, you know, we're sort of coming to a close now, and it's getting to the last sort of couple of questions that I have. And you said that you were big on CS:GO, Hearthstone, and League was some of the games that you you did play. Um, yeah. So I wanted to touch on sort of a more meta sort of esports topic here. Um, okay. And new esports are coming out regularly. So one of the big ones at the moment that's sort of broken the internet in terms of um, you know uh, how it's how big it is is Smash and okay. obviously new on on the Nintendo Switch and new mm-hmm. esports are coming out regularly and how do you think this will fare with the sort of recent up and down nature of League because there's been you know the games dying was a big sort of commentary I mean personally I never believed in it I never thought that the game was dying um, yeah. and then Worlds came along and it sort of blew up all over again and there's new players coming back and more players you know more viewers than ever this sort of thing um, yeah. so it seems to be this sort of inverted con- consistently inverted use going along this graph um, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the nature of League and and where that's going to go do you think it's going to continue to grow do you think it's going to dip again how, how do you feel about that in relation to other esports um, I mean, I think leaks leaks like a weird one because it's been around for so long. Mm. Um, but because it's never because it's not really dying. Like the thing with league is, you know, players quit all the time. New players come in. Like there's always going to be like this continuous like stream of just new talent coming in. Like mm. every week, I see like a new player that hits challenger, and I can see mm-hmm. that they're like, holy shit, this guy's like insane, right. and he's a rookie. Sure. Maybe he's going to get picked up. Maybe he can be something big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think league's going to be around for more years to come. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as as the more known players, like, if we go back and we, you know, Dyrus and I Will Dominate and Xpeke, like, mm-hmm. these, like, big, like, stable names, like, these these guys have retired from pro play. Mm-hmm. But in that space, you know, new players, like, 
like Targamas and other players, Norskare and these like new rookies which are coming mm-hmm. into the into the LEC or LCS, whatever. Like this, all of the talent that's leaving, it's being replaced by like new talent which sure. can even be better. Like Broken Blade, for example, going to TSM. Mm-hmm. Like this guy just played TCL for a bit, and you know I think the guy's insane. So in terms of league, I, I don't think it's dying, and in comparison to other esports, like I think it's it's. I don't think it'll continue to grow because, like I said, the more even though more players are coming in, some players are also leaving. Maybe. So I think it's almost gonna like stagnate, plateau. Um, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of other esports, I think, um, I think like time will tell because obviously yeah. they need to grow themselves. Like you've got the stable esports, right? You've got like League, you've got Dota, you've got CS, and mm-hmm. these always sort of bounce around like pretty high numbers, like when Worlds comes about, when a CS major yeah. comes about, when the TI comes about, like, there's always going to be those fans, those, like, key, like, big-name players. They're always going to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think those esports are going to die out anytime soon. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe it's harder for games of, like, a similar genre to, like, come into that. Yeah. Like, I can't see any FPSs, like, going up against CS other than maybe, mm-hmm. like, COD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I don't like, think it's regional based as well. as well. Like, like Heroes of the Storms just died. Yeah. Um, and Dota and League are still doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. They're pretty successful. Like, they're going well. I don't think any MOBAs are going to be able to contest those. Mm-hmm. No, interesting. Because I, I think I, I had an awful, a horrible opinion of Fortnite. I think the game, per, for me personally, I don't enjoy playing it. I don't enjoy watching it. I, I can't understand it in terms of why. Why I, I can't watch it myself, if that makes sense. So yeah, my opinion of it is I'm sort I'm, of I'm waiting. Guy. Yeah, I'm sort of waiting for that to dip because um, I think <laughs> that'll happen soon. I think uh, when you realise the eleven, like because a lot when I coach kids uh, tennis or football, you see them doing all the dances from Fortnite, and it's like, what has <laughs> yeah, the yeah. world come to? But yeah, I'm I'm waiting for that to sort of dip. But I want to say, sort of wrapping it up, I want to say a massive thank you to you because this has been a really, really interesting podcast. We've talked about so many different things um, and it's given uh, a really good insight. So I want to extend a massive thank you to yourself um, for coming on and sort of giving your time for it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Anytime. Brilliant. I'm happy to come on again in in some time in the future. Definitely. When when, uh, when the LCL sort of dips a little bit in terms of... uh, um, how much you've got to do that would be amazing to yeah. uh, to well, once that. I get picked up by an LCS team yeah. we can have another <laughs> chat <you know? laughs> yeah. I'm sure that'll be soon anyway so <laughs> I, well to be fair I actually did um, I did get reached out to by a couple of LCS Ooh. teams so that felt pretty good yeah um, I can imagine good news I don't, I don't think I can really give many names but oh, 100 Thieves awesome. reached out to me that wow. felt pretty cool yeah um, Splice a bit as well so ah. I can't really say any of the others no, but no, it felt pretty good to have like some LEC and LCS like attention well congratulations to you man well done uh, yeah. but if people wanted to find you they wanted to have a conversation wanted to you know grill you about anything where's the best place that they can do that Twitter every time yeah like um, I'd say League but when I'm on League like I'm normally just like smurfing or, or um, yeah. <laughs> doing with one of my players so like because I'm relatively like I'm at a decent elo myself, so mm-hmm. I do it with my players just to like bond with them, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say Twitter or League, like 100. Like I'm pretty much always there. Yeah, and what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at SmeagolLol. Perfect. I'll put all of the all of the links will be in the description anyway. But as I said, thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone who is listening has had an amazing time listening to this because I know this has been a really uh, value-driven podcast. I think there's a lot of value for a lot of different people, whether you're coaches, players, organisations, anything like that. I think this has been brilliant. So a massive thank you to yourself. And uh, I hope everyone who's listened has had a great time and I will see you next time.